Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Let's praise the Lord for him, Pastor Mike. How's everybody doing today? Um, I just want to say thanks to Pastor Randy. Be honest with you, um, I've done this for a while, but you can sometimes be a little nervous when you do it in front of someone who's done it for a long time and done it very well. Uh, so I'm hoping I don't embarrass you, church, in front of Pastor Randy, who I have great respect for. And if I do, that's just me. Amen? Uh, I think it's incredible what our church and, and Grace did together with OCC. Because to be honest with you, all throughout the year as that team, we have a team that does it. They're scrambling and they're looking for deals and they're trying to make the donations that came in just get stretched as far as they can. And it was not looking good. How many of you know there's a lot of things that don't look good? You know, but we don't give up. We trust. We prayed. We asked God to empower us and to place us in positions to make the very most of what you guys gave. We don't take the offerings lightly. The, the money that goes towards the work of God, we esteem that. And, and we say thank you to every one of you. Um, but it's almost like a miracle of the fish and loaves when those boxes started going together. I mean, it really was. I mean, it just looked like there's this much. But as we kept putting those little things in each box, it's like kept being there. And we beat last year's number. And uh, we, you know, and I, no one person did say this. I told them how much we, we did. And they go, well, we didn't hit the 700. Um, listen, Eeyore, we did good. No, I <laughs> We did good. And God, I think, is blessed. And the world will be impacted by what happened through these two churches. Lives will be changed. Eternities will be set because of the effort that you guys put in. So you all deserve uh, a round of applause for being a part of that. Amen. Um, Pastor Randy already prayed for our service, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump in. For those of you who haven't been in our services, uh, we're doing a series on the benefits of tithing. And I particularly, at my own fall, I resist teaching on it. Um, only because when you talk about it, people can get funny and, oh, you know, all they want is my money. You know. God doesn't need your money. God's trying to get your heart involved in what he's doing. So he can get involved in what you're doing. 
and it's a partnership. And we're going to look at, you know, some different benefits today that I don't think a lot of us have considered. But it's incredible whenever God institutes something for us to do. As you peel back the layers, first it looks like, oh, I got to go do this. As you peel back the layers, it's actually for you and then for the people around you. When God calls you to, to do something, it looks like it's sacrificial. And, uh, but once you discover just how, how incredible God is, you realize, is, well, I'm doing this and it's actually benefiting me. I'm not just giving, but I'm getting something much more valuable than what I'm giving. And as we look at today, and we're only going to get so far because we got some celebrating to do. And uh, they've got me on a timer. They've actually got a flare back there. They're going to shoot off if I don't (laughs) stop in time. So, um, are you ready? Ready How many have been enjoying the series? Just just for me, raise your hand so I feel better about it, okay? Some of you went, okay. (laughs) And again, we're not doing this to pressure anybody to tithe. You should not tithe under compulsion. You should not tithe under feeling guilty. You should tithe because that's where your heart is. You've determined in your heart, not somebody else determined for you, but you've decided in your heart, I'm going to get involved in what God is leading me to do. All that we're doing with this series is to give you an informed decision because there's a lot of misunderstanding about tithing. And uh, it can cause confusion and it can cause some some hard feelings. And yes, tithing and offerings have been abused by churches, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that they presented it not in a good way. Does that make sense? Yes. So searching for the heart of God, I just want to say a quick prayer that you would have ears to hear exactly what God wants to say today. And that he would use my voice in a miraculous way to present his heart to you. Amen. Father, I thank you that we are all here just tools in the master's hand. So I ask you to please, Father, use my voice, use my mind to be able to convey what you want to share today so that we can all clearly understand and even receive revelation knowledge about your heart concerning tithing and how it truly is a benefit for us to be involved in what you're doing. So, Father, we ask this, we ask in faith and we believe that we have this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I'm thankful we're celebrating our church family Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful that I'm here today because many of you know I am computer challenged, right? Somehow, now I do this every Sunday morning that I preach. I prepare my message on my desktop, and then I transfer it to my, you know, this little one because it's easier than bringing my desktop in here and sitting on it. So as I finished, and I was ready, I mean, I was on time, everything was good, and I said, okay. So it would send it to here, because they're supposed to link up. It wouldn't link up. What I prepare on my Microsoft Word on here should automatically show up on here. It didn't. Okay, well, that's a tragedy when it comes to somebody who knows nothing about computers. I kept working on it, working on it and stuff and trying to figure it out. It wasn't working. You know, the clock's ticking. I'm starting to sweat. I'm getting anxious. I know my son's down there at the church going, 
hmm, that I'm late. So uh, we like to keep each other accountable. It helps you. Iron sharpens iron. But here, here's the thing. I couldn't fix it. I was going to have to come here and just ad-lib because my notes were on that computer. So it, I got desperate to the point where I was actually willing to pray. Sometimes, you know, you forget that very important aspect of, you know, what God's made available to you. So finally, I'm, you know, I'm just going to call and say, Chris, you do it. I'm not coming. You know, I was that frustrated. I didn't backslide, but I was very frustrated. So I get to the point where I'm just like, oh, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't do. Usually I have Nicole, but she's busy. I can't call her. So I pray. Now, praying about computers is a lot like Peter walking on the water. You know, it's not supposed to work. If I'm trying to fix it, it's not going to work. But with God, all things are possible. So I get in, and I find out that it says, I can't send this or even duplicate it and transfer it because it's protected by another user. There is no other user. I'm the only person. Nobody uses my computer. I'm the only one. And I say, oh, the other user. The devil's involved. (laughs) So I kept fiddling with it. I got it to where I could make a copy of it by giving it special permission. Even though I didn't have permission to duplicate it, I could make a copy of it on my desktop And then I had to take the copy, put it on a memory stick, which is like a dinosaur nowadays. You don't use those. But I went and found one, put it in, transferred it. There it is. Whew. Wow. That's great. It's 15 minutes till 10. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. I rush. I get out to my truck. I'm ready to race to the church. Turn the key. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I didn't give up, obviously. There's a blessing of God called Uber. <laughs> I called Uber. They got me, brought me down here. I wrote, you can imagine how frustrating this is for me. You guys know that I'm challenged by speed limits. <laughs> the guy who picked me up, first I get in his car. It looks like there was a party in there. There's dirt and sand and trash. The, the, literally, the floor mat's over on the other side of the floor. I'm like, what happened here, you know? But I get in, we got, get going, we're on 95, and we're, we're streaking forward at 55 miles an hour. Oh. This may be my message. Just tapping into God's grace and being thankful for what he can get you through. Now you may say, well, 55 miles an hour is not that bad. It might not be for you. For me, it's like walking. You know, especially when I'm 40 minutes late. So we get there and we come in and I, and I walk in and I see your smiling faces. I'm serious. I'm serious. All of that was worth it. And I thank God for bringing me to the house of God with you. And I don't know if you've ever had a difficult day. But if you get your mind off the problem, focus on God, he'll lead you through it. And if you take time after he leads you through it, to just say thank you. Just acknowledge that you saw him working things out for you and things like, because I had no idea what to do. But I prayed, he showed me, I was able to get here. Amen? Amen? So now, 
we're going to look at some benefits of tithing. And like I said, they're a little different. We'll get started today. We probably won't finish. We talked about how tithing benefits the world by being able to use that to impact the world. We've talked about the individual benefits of tithing, how, how God blesses us as we enter into his plan, and we literally partner with him to touch the world. He partners with us to bless our world, our finances and stuff. So, um, but today, we're going to look at how tithing actually helps you keep your heart right, and it keeps you from being self-centered and selfish. And it makes sure that you always focus on God so you can maintain a level of gratitude. Because the level of your gratitude towards God will determine the latitude or the altitude that he's able to bring you to because you acknowledge him. And as you acknowledge him, it, it, it helps him to open more doors for you because then you're focused on him, you're listening to him, you're looking for those steps that are ordered of the Lord you know, you're saying, okay, God, what are we doing today? Because you acknowledge he's the one that gives you the steps. You say, well, I'm the one that does the work. He's the one that gave you the ability to work. The fact that you have the gifting you do to be able to have a job that, that you do, it's because of what he placed on the inside of you. And really what it helps us to do is always to be reminded that God is, is our father and he has a plan for us. Every single one of us has a plan. And some people, I know, I heard this one guy say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm too old for God. I retired. <laughs> That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. Look at Abraham. Abraham was incredible. They had, they had Isaac when he was 100 years old. You know, he was faithful. He, 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 he looked forward to, to the plan of God and he committed himself to it. <clears throat> because of that, the lineage of Jesus was established. But you know what? He didn't just retire. He didn't just give up. Okay, there you go, Isaac. Got him 100 years old. Time to chill. Do you know that Isaac, after Sarah died, he remarried and had more kids because he was, he was populating the, the, the genealogy and, and the people of God to walk out the plan of God. He was, you know, and you may say, well, I'll do that. <laughs> What I'm saying is God's not done with you. He's got a plan for you no matter where you are, and he wants to bless you so that you can fulfill his plan. And the way that you do that is you keep your focus on him. Amen? So as we look at this, and I'm, I'm sorry about my voice, I'm going to just cover just a few things. We've looked how tithing is in the Old Testament under the law, but it's also before the law. And we've looked and seen how tithing is in the New Testament after the law. So what I, what I want to put to you is that God's principle of tithing is for everyone throughout all time, not just for a set. Now, under the law, it was law, and you had to do it. If you, want, if you wanted God's blessing, you had to do God's rule. That's true. That was under the law. That's, that's not the case now as far as there's not a law of God that if you don't do it, there's going to be calamity in your house. Now, if we choose not to do it, and we've learned this coming up, if we choose not to do it, it's just those blessings that God intends to work through our tithing don't show up. It's our choice. We have a free will. Amen? Amen. So, and again, tithing is 10%. We've established that. That's what the word tithe means. And it's a, a 10% of your increase, of your, your profit, your, 
your paycheck, your whatever you do. If you have your own business, it's 10% of your business profits because it's ultimately your business. It, it's coming to God and acknowledging that he's first. He's high and lifted up. He's the number one priority. A tithe is the first and best of your increase. It's not whatever you get to. And boy, I hope there's some left over so I can tip God. No, it's your first and your best. And by doing that, what do we learn? By taking the first fruits and, and giving them to God, they become holy. But not only are they holy, which means the, the devourer is rebuked, but now the lump, the Bible says, is holy, which means your money is, is blessed. And it, your 90% will go further than your 100% because it's got God's blessing on it. Does that make sense? So as we look at this, I'm just reminding you of this. Abraham brought tithing before Melchizedek. Remember, he, God blessed him in this battle with four kingdoms. And in these four kingdoms, these were kingdoms with armies and soldiers. And Abraham had his household servants. And God blessed him to go to war against those four different kingdoms. And he was victorious. I mean, he just totally destroyed them. So what Abraham did... He brought the tithe, the first of everything, that the spoils of the war. He brought it to God, the first and the best, to be thankful. It's Thanksgiving, y'all. To be thankful to God for enabling him to be success, to win the battle, right? There, there are so many opportunities for us to see this. And a tithe really is a response. It's, it's, it's a response on our part to what God has done in our lives. It's a response of thankfulness, and it's an honoring of God and God's providence over his people. Does that make sense? Now, as we're doing this, and, and, and this is where I've, I've wanted you to get to the whole time, and this is really the heart, I believe, the, the real heart of tithing, is if you study throughout the Word, which we've done extensively over the last six weeks, and study the Bible, we see... That the teaching of, of tithing has very little to do with law. It really is a teaching of gratitude, keeping our heart right, putting God first, honoring the one who's enabled you to be a success, giving him worship. Tithing is part of our worship. When we, when we give our tithe, we're saying, God, I am so thankful for, for first of all, redeeming me, sending your son to save me, enabling me to be in fellowship with you again. You're acknowledging that. You're saying thank you for that. But it's also an opportunity for us to just take a moment and acknowledge that we trust you. We have faith in you that you're going to go ahead and make sure we're okay on the other side of this. By far, the number one response to surveys done about why people don't tithe, people in the church, not people in the world, but people in the church, why don't they tithe? When you get it down to where they're honest, the number one response is fear. They're afraid if they give that dime out of that dollar, they won't have enough for all their other needs. And they allow fear, which takes what? It takes God out of the equation. You're not trusting him. You're not believing he'll do what he said he'd do. You're not saying he's high and lifted up and we look to him to be the one to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. We're saying, I have to meet my own needs. I have, to, I have to provide for my household. God doesn't figure into the equation. And what you're doing is you're literally shutting him out. You lose your, your position of thankfulness. You start 
counting your nickels and your dimes, and this is mine, this is mine, everybody's trying to get it, this is mine, and you actually focus more on yourself than you do on your creator. And you become self-centered. And the fruit of being self-centered is selfish. And now it's about owning your prosperity, your finances, and not just possessing them and being a steward over them for God. See, there's a difference between owning and being a steward of, and it's something that causes us to, to stumble. And that's why Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. It's a warning for us to understand money's involved, but if we allow it to, it will attach to our hearts and get us off track and will take us down the path of destruction that Satan has for us and not walk the path that God has for us. Does that make sense? So we're to bring our best, our first and our best portion to God. And that, that, that says that we th- we're thankful to God, we acknowledge Him, and that we, we say that you're high and lifted up, that we're here to honor. There's something about honor. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. There's something about, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how your finances are going, that you still say, God, you're high and lifted up. God, you're first in my life. You're Lord. Father, you are my Savior and my Lord, even of my, you ready for it? Even of my wallet. Because a lot of people hold back one thing. They hold back their wallet. And they say, well, God, you know, I trust you with everything else. I'll for my kids for you and I'll, you know, say that I'm a Christian. I'll even wear a Christian t-shirt. But I don't trust you enough to get into my money. Why? Because of fear. Because the devil makes us think that he's going to steal it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? He only steals what you have. If you don't have something, he can't steal it, right? I mean, nobody's going to come to my house to steal a Ferrari. Because there's not one there, you know? They're not, they're not going to come and say, hey, let's go get that really nice. It's not there. I have a 2004 excursion. And unfortunately, it's not running today. But anyway, so they couldn't steal it if they wanted to. But the devil comes to steal what he can. And he will come and he will deceive and he will trick and he'll use his schemes to tell you that if you, if you enter into God's plan, you're setting yourself up to fail. He doesn't have power except for what you give him by believing his deception. The Bible says he's the father of lies. So really, we could literally say when we get fear, fear God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So when fear comes, we can actually stop and say, who's this from? Okay, I see who it's from, the devil. Okay, right there, whatever he's telling me, that's a lie. Because the Bible says there's no truth in him. But if we don't understand this, we'll believe it and we'll follow him off the path that God has for us. And we'll actually get out there into our own strength, our own ability, our own provision, and we will fall short. And usually what happens, and it's funny, what happens is then we blame God. After we've walked away from his plan, we've not honored him, we've not said thank you to him, we've not worshipped him. Solomon, the smartest guy on the planet, said to honor the Lord with your substance. What you have. We shut God out of it, and then we cry because he's not in it. It doesn't make sense. We have to understand our actions have consequences, amen? So we see the tithing through the children of Israel. What did they do? They... Their tithing was based on his delivering them from the, the bondage of Egypt. Why do we tithe? Do we tithe so 
God will do something. No, we tithe because he's our father and he told us to, to bring our substance and honor him. It's not that he needs it. You know, I, get, I really get irritated by pastors who preach, you got to tithe because we got to pay the bills. God can pay the bills without a tither. But that's not the way he wants to do it. He wants people to tithe so that their heart is connected to what he's doing. I mean, think about it. Jesus had taxes due, so he told his disciple, hey, go down there and fish. Take the money out of the first fish you catch. Pay my taxes and yours. If God wanted, he could have every pastor go out on Monday morning with a fishing pole, cast it out there, and get all the money we need for the, the necessities of the church. But then the people of the church's heart is not connected to it. Then it becomes easier to drift, and Sunday mornings, ah, I'm tired. Ah, let's go to the beach. I was thinking we'd do some work around the house. And next thing you know, you're not honoring God with the first day of the week, which, and you're forsaking the assembly together. Tithing keeps us focused on him and allows us to, to stay on a, uh, 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 like almost like guardrails in our life so we don't get off course. By, you know, we wake up in the morning, what do we do? We should spend time with God. The first day of the week, what do we do? We come to church, to God's house, to honor and to worship him and to acknowledge what he's doing in our lives and what he's done. By doing that, when you're out in the world, dealing with the results of the world, and we're, we're, we're dealing with a, an effectual fallen world, we are still reminded that God is our God. And when challenges come up, we're reminded, no, 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 I trust in God. I, I, I honor him. I honor him with my substance, which means I'm not counting on my future just on what I provide. I'm counting on God to show up and for him to provide. I'm keeping him first. So then when I go into the world and I have these struggles and these challenges, what happens is I see God beyond it. I look past the trouble and I see my God who's shown up over and over and over again. And that's why I acknowledge him and I worship him and I, I bring my gratitude offering to him by saying thank you for everything you've done. And that gives me confidence to face tomorrow. Does that make sense? So as we do this and we see that you know, it's very, it's very apparent that where our heart is, is exposed by where our money is. And people say, oh, I love God with all my heart. But then they don't do what he tells them with the finances. And this is what they say to me. And I'm not calling any of you out because everybody says it almost. They'll say, Pastor Mike, I can't afford to tithe. So God's not in your finances. You've decided that you're going to handle them. And what happens? You come up short. Why not trust him? Isn't that what he said in Malachi 3, chapter 8 and through 10? He said, test me and see. He said, literally, he gives us permission to, and this is not in a disrespectful way, but to say, let's, let's see you follow through with what you promised. Because he's not a politician. <laughs> he's God. He's not a man that he should lie. And he says, literally, if you'll come and you'll do what he tells you to do, he says, test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing so much you can't contain it, which means you have enough to be a blessing to someone else. It doesn't mean that you build, you know, get more bank accounts so you can store more. If you trust God, you're not worried about tomorrow. You want to be a good steward of today, so, and you, you're, you're totally convinced and your faith is in that God's going to be in tomorrow. So I'm just going to be obedient today and do what he says. And when we, 
we yield to this, it opens up a whole new avenue for us to grow. Luke 12, uh, verse 34 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Notice it doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Why? Because tithing is a barometer of our heart. It lets us know where we are. Where are we with God? Well, I don't tithe. Okay. Indicated. You're not close to God. How can you say that? I'm now offended. Oh, now you're being self-centered. Okay. Got it. Go, keep going. You know, what happens is we expose ourselves out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What, what's going on in here? As a man thinks in his heart, these are things we've covered for those of you who are here. We've covered over the last five weeks. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Am I a child of God? Am I a royal priesthood? Am I a chosen generation? Am I a son of the king? Then I would act differently than somebody who was on their own, only able to accomplish and, and gather what they can do with their own strength. I would have an expectation. You ever notice royalty? You know, you watch the, the shows for royalty and stuff. They have an expectation because they identify with being royalty. If Christians just had that same identification as a man thinks in his heart, God is my father. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That doesn't mean we're all going to be fat cats driving cattle. Not the Cadillacs are bad. But, you know, driving fancy cars and, and only thinking ourselves. It means that we're going to pursue and, and champion the values of our father, of our God. And the Bible says that we should be generous to those. Why? Because we represent God. People should be able to look at us. You know, it said this. It says, if you want to know what's important to people, check. you say check your checkbook, but a lot of people don't have checkbooks. But if you check your spending habits, it tells you exactly where your heart is. Your heart, it indicates your, most, your, your strongest desires by where your money goes. That's just the truth. I know some people, usually the people who don't get involved in what God's doing get offended by that, but it's a truth. It's a fact. And we have to understand that if we're going to say... I put God first, then there should be corresponding actions. Amen? Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of warnings. I'm going to get ready to close with this. There's a lot of warnings all throughout the Bible about the trappings of wealth, the trappings of money, the love of money, and how money can cause the best men to stumble. So God gives us these warnings. He shows us. He says, hey, watch out for this. Hey, be aware of this, because this is a stumbling block if you're not watching for it. And what happens is when, when, when people start getting wealth, when they start blessed, when their job takes them to a place or their business takes them to a place where suddenly they have more money than they've ever had, it's very easy for the best people, I mean Christians who love God, to change and start becoming an owner of their wealth and not a possessor of God's wealth. You say, well, God didn't work for it. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of work for you. You're only here because he worked for six days and started something incredible and, and put his whole heart into it. And then he rested because we looked and saw what he had created and he said it is good. We're part of that creation. We're an extension of that creation. So when we get our eyes off God and what he's done for our lives, we start thinking that we do it all and that we're the source of it. And it comes to a place where you, you forget that I don't want to say this. You forget that you're a child of God and you quit honoring him as your God 
and suddenly your finances have all your attention. And this is especially troublesome for people who are wealthy, people who succeed. But there are people who have nothing that focus on money all the time. And see, the love of money takes your eyes off God. It takes your eyes off what he's doing, who he is to you. And, and it gets it on something else. But in Matthew chapter 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Listen, all of that was said to make this point. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in this is his. When we got here, we came in with nothing. When we leave, we leave with nothing. We're just stewards. We're not owners of this world. We're possessors because God has given it to us to steward, to manage. And we're to do it his way. If we don't do it his way, we don't get his results. It's like I tell uh, people, I say, you know, the world's like a big sandbox. When the boys were at daycare, I would take them there, and they'd be in the sandbox. They'd be playing with all these, you know, Tonka toys and little construction trucks and stuff. And then I'd say, okay, guys, it's time to go. They had to leave the toys. And they came with exactly what they brought. Their lunchbox, basically. <laughs> you know, they, they, they weren't owners of the toys. Now, they got to possess the toys while we're there. But a time came where they were separated from those toys, and those toys were left for someone else. <clears throat> I don't care how much money you make, it all stays here. We can't serve two masters. The thing that I, I really want us to know is the danger is real, and it's something that all of us, whether you make $10 or $100 an hour, God is telling us and warning us all throughout the Bible of the danger of allowing to get a hold of your heart and God falling from that place he's supposed to be at and actually your checkbook or your bank card goes there. Here's a statistic. We're going to close and we'll pick up next week. Um, it says this. this statistic, it's very troubling to me, but it's a reality that the, it's the human condition right now. People that with incomes between 30000 or less, the percentage of income committed to giving is on average in the area of 6 to 7%. When income shifts from 30000 to 60000 that percentage drops to 4 to 5%. 60000 to 90000 it drops to 2 to 3%. 100,000 and up, it's around, it's around 1%. What happens is the more money you get, the more money gets you. I see, God's not against you having things. He's against things having you. He wants you to realize that you, you, you have, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He just doesn't want those desires to take over your heart. And that's what happens. And that's why there's so many warnings in the word for us to always remain thankful to God, always keep our focus on him and what he's done and acknowledge that it's him, not us. You say, well, I started this business or I went to school so I could do this position. The only reason you could do that is because of the gifts he's placed in you. Remember, every day is a gift from God. 
The fact you have lungs that hold the air, that let you breathe, is because God gave them to you. You're not the creator. You're part of the creation. And the creation should never rise above the creator. And we should acknowledge God as God. And we should declare him to be high and lifted up. There's a couple more warnings. I'm not going to read it because it's, they're too long, but uh, I'm going to put it on the screen so you can take a picture or write them down if you want to because we need to know about this stuff. We need to know how sincere God is at warning us so that we don't fall for it. And according to the statistics, most people fall for it. I told you guys the story, but I, I had a guy in my church years ago, and he, he was the CFO for a national company. You, if I said the name, you would all know it. And he's working, but he's making less than most people in his position. And the, the actual um, CEO was making a lot more than he was. And he felt like he was being wronged. And he was making about $100,000 a year. So I talked to him about tithing. I said, do you put God first in your finances? I said, instead of trusting your company for your advancement, why don't you trust God? And he'll make things happen for you that you can't make happen for you on your own, obviously, because you're still here. After years, you're making the same amount, and you're feeling less appreciated. You're feeling like you're being taken of it. You, you're becoming self-centered. Look what's happening to me. So I said, why don't you consider putting God first in your finances? His wife was already a tither. So he said, oh, okay, you know, we talked several times. And he goes, I'll do it. I'm going to do it. He started tithing off of his $100,000 a year salary. Within a month of that time, his CEO called him into the office, apologized to him for not appreciating him, and saying, you should be making much more than you are, and he tripled his salary. He went from 100000 to 300000 with more benefits. He's coming to church. I happened to talk to his wife, and she goes, you got to talk to him. I thought, why? God did such an amazing thing. You know, I shouldn't have to say anything to him. She goes, no, you got to talk to him. So I went to him and I said, how you doing, man? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. You know, God bless me. Yeah, like I got a new motorcycle. I got a new car. You know, all this stuff. You got all this new stuff. And I said, how you doing with your tithing? And he looked at me and he said, Pastor Mike, I can't tithe. And I'm like, why? He goes, that's too much money. It was money he didn't have anyway. It's always just a dime out of the dollar because God wants it to be enough for your heart to be connected to it. So many of us, we, we, when things start working, we get tunnel vision and we only focus on what's working and we forget about the one who's worked it out for us. And we get off course. We stop being thankful. We stop having an attitude of gratitude and we start thinking about ourselves. And then suddenly, even though you have three times the money you had or whatever it is, now everybody's out to get my money. They just want my money. They just want all oh, those Girl Scouts. They're just leeches wanting my money. I mean, literally, your whole personality changes. And you become the guard of something that God gave you. And you know what? If he gave it to you, he can give you more. And he can keep. And he, if, you, if you'll stay with him... He'll take you to higher levels, but so many of us top ourselves out because we lose sight of who God is in our lives. So I'm going to stop there. I've got a lot more to share. We'll do it next week. But the thing I want you to remember is always stay thankful. We're celebrating Thanksgiving today as a church family, and it's not always easy. It's not always easy to be thankful. 
There's so many things pulling for our attention to distract us. God's saying, keep your eye on me. He'll do incredible things. You know, when Jairus, uh, his daughter was sick and she was about to die, and his standing in the community was based on his religion, but when something that important, his daughter was about to die, he forsook all of that, went and fell before Jesus, and said, please, can you, can you come? Can you help my daughter? As they go, somebody else in a terrible situation, the woman with the issue of blood, pushes through the crowd, which she's, she's being bold because she's not even legally allowed to be there, but she had heard about God, and she was seeking the God she heard about, and she wanted to see Him. So she pushed through the crowd, she touched the hem of His garment, suddenly Jesus stopped. It doesn't say that he was led of the Father or the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that he felt healing power go out of him. God's just looking for those of us who will keep seeking him. We'll keep him first and foremost. Bible turned around. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. and only, She spent all she had on doctors and only grew worse. It was not a good situation. But he turned around and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Now remember the whole time Jairus is there waiting because his daughter's about to die. And I don't know about you, but I, I would be tempted to say, Hey, lady, step aside. He's coming with me. As all this is happening, and the people start coming around, and then the people from Jairus' home come to him, and they said, Don't trouble the master anymore. Your daughter has died. He had a choice to make. But I want to show you how good God is. While all this is going on, he just got the worst news of his life. Jesus with people thronging him in a crowd where people just want to, it's like a rock star situation. Jesus notices what's going on with Jairus because he's always got his eye on us. And he turns to Jairus. He says, Jairus, just believe. Keep trusting. Look beyond the circumstance and trust me. If we cannot look at our financial woes and what we've done wrong and how much stuff costs, and can you believe the price of groceries and all that stuff? But just keep your eyes on God. Those things are not a surprise to Him. And they may feel as overwhelming to you as somebody sick in your family. But Jesus is speaking today. Don't get distracted. Believe. He's saying, believe me. And He'll show up in our storm. He'll guide you through the trouble. And if you keep your eyes on him, you'll be better on the other side because he has your best interests at heart always. So let's not lose sight of that. As we're thankful today and we spend time eating together today, let's make sure we acknowledge what God has done in our lives. Amen? So bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for meeting us here in this house today. Your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for anointing your word. Thank you for giving us ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have for us. If you're here today and you're hearing about these blessings and the things that God wants to do in your life, but you know in your heart you're far from God. You haven't really given him place in your life. You haven't made room in your heart for him to come and make his abode. That's something you've heard today, or maybe it's just God tapping you on the shoulder and saying, today's the day. The door is open. I'm ready. 
whatever the condition is, if that's you today and you know on the inside that God's ready, you're ready, and it's today's the day. Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, but today you're ready to do that. With nobody else looking around, this is just between you and God. I'm going to ask you, if you would, to raise your hand if today's your day. And then we as a church, I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? We're going to say as a church together, we're not singing anybody out. We're going to pray the prayer of salvation. We're going to do exactly what the Bible says for us to open the door of our heart and let Jesus come in. Anybody? I see your hand. Anybody else? sake of those who raise their hand, let's as a family pray with them and say this, Father, today you are high and lifted up. We'll not forget you, but we're here to worship you. We're here to honor you, and we're here to say thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing in our lives. According to Romans 10, 9, and 10, your scriptures lost a couple of you, but come on, let's go. Father, we believe in our heart, and at this moment, we're confessing with our mouth that your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is now Lord of my life, Lord of my wallet, Lord of every part of my life. I thank you for giving me a way back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.